Hey folks, welcome to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. This is episode 91 and I am your host, Ed Moore. Teal Productions, T-E-A-L, on Twitter is where you can tweet me. Ronin Rabbit has a Google Plus page on Facebook. I post the episodes on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo page. BigTimeNoise.com slash Ronin Rabbit, the website. UsagiPodcast at gmail.com, the email. Comments will be accepted in all of their various forms at any of those locations. Uh, as they pertain to Ronin Rabbit. Now you want to talk about anything else, and you take your chances as to whether or not I'll respond. But there you go. Usagi Ojimbo, Volume 3, Issue 17, dated January 1998. The story, Grass Cutter Chapter 3, Inazuma. And uh, let's see. Inazuma, Genosuke, Jay, and Keiko. Kotetsu and Ryoko, who are probably the gist of this story. I know it's named Inazuma, uh, but that's... I think that Kotetsu and Ryoko are the primaries. Uh, Usagi, of course, is in it, as are Lord Noriyuki and Tomoe Ame. A minor official of the Gaishu clan at the makes an appearance at the Heron Castle, I think they call it, or Heron Fortress, something like that. I believe he's going to turn out to be a little pivotal, um, just because of the way the story is written, but we'll see. So we start out with Inazuma and Genosuke fighting. Uh, rather viciously. Genosuke draws first blood. Inazuma wins the battle, decapitating Genosuke. But his head starts to talk, and he's telling her uh, that she cannot defeat him nor the forces of Yomi, which translates to hell. She sees in the distance um, a a huge crowd of foes, but then a, a high pinnacle in the background with a dark figure on it that she places as Lord Enma, the Lord of Hell. And Genosuke's head tells her, no, that's not Lord Enma, that's your savior. To keep you from going to hell and having to face Lord Enma, you need to get to that figure, the savior. So she decides to fight her way through these throngs of bad guys and villains and creatures and magical and everything. Just as she gets to the spire, the face becomes evident, and we see that it's the face of Jay, causing her to scream in her dream and moan in real life, which is where we are now, as Keiko is bending over her, telling Jay that she's not getting any better. We have to do something. She has to be saved. There's something about her, Keiko says. She is good and she deserves to be saved. Jay's, at first, he's like, well, you know, she's been injured. She'll die or she'll survive or whatever. But then he's like, huh, yeah, perhaps you're right. There's a temple nearby where we can take her and she'll receive the help she needs. Uh, a short distance to the south in the bay uh, that has become central to this storyline a couple of fishermen are in a boat, and they notice that in fishing, all they're pulling up are the red crabs, and that the water seems very muddy, as if the bottom is, is being disturbed. Diving down through the water, our narrator shows us that the crabs are searching, searching, until finally they do find something, and they start to extract it from the seafloor and carry it up onto the shore out of the water. Our next sequence involves 
Kotetsu and Ryoko, who screams, They found it! Lord Kotetsu, they found it! Um, the crabs telling her that they found the sword. So now they're plotting what to do next. Kotetsu has two groups of men uh, who are out and about. He gives the witch command. Actually, she takes control of the leader of the first one, and I assume can take control of the leader of the second as well, to direct them uh, what to do and where to go. And we cut to the first group who has stopped, and their captain has decided he wants to take a drink of sake, and Ryoko takes him over. I don't know if it has anything to do with the drink or if that's just coincidence, but to his men, it looks like he took a drink and the drink changed him. Uh, he then becomes a different personality and starts leading him to where the crabs are going to pull the sword out of the water. Well, already at the bay, being in the town that's nearby that was founded by people who used to hunt the crabs looking for the sword, and so you know there was the village must be right there on that bay. Uh, Usagi is there. There's a aftershock from the earthquake recent, and he notices that uh, there's a huge cluster of crabs just right right there in the, in the distance that he can see, and it looks like they're pulling something out of the water, so he goes to investigate. First of all, that the crabs are working together or doing anything together, but second of all, because it's something that's taking shape, so he goes up and he's looking at them pile of crabs and brushes some aside and he sees a sarugi type sword and he reaches into the crab mass let's say and, and brushes them off and extracts the sword and immediately thinks is this grass cutter and then he's like nah you know that sword would be four or five hundred years old this thing looks brand new must be somebody's joke but either way, it's a pretty cool looking sword. I'll just take it with me and give it to Lord Noriyuki as a present. I'm going up there anyways. So the men sent by Ryoko get to the site, see that the sword is not there, but they do see footprints. Take off following the footprints. Eventually they um, peak a rise in the terrain, see down below Usagi, and they rush madly to assault Usagi and uh, get back the sword, being led by this crazy captain. The rest of them are just doing what the captain says, but the captain's crazy. So they waylay Usagi, and he starts dispatching them as he does. He gets to the leader and kills the leader, and we see that because the leader was being controlled by Ryoko, uh, there, there is evidence of something else going on. Uh, first, with Ryoko, she reacts violently to the fact that her vessel is killed while she is in him, controlling him. She turns her methods to the other group now that this one has been dispatched. Usagi, meanwhile, says, I've never heard a scream like that. It made my spine grow cold. He says, it doesn't make sense. They were too skilled and disciplined for Ronin. Why attack me? Could it be the sword? Well, what if it's not a counterfeit? Final panel of this little vignette, he says, This is getting too complicated. I had best get to Gaishu territory as soon as I can. Now we cut back to the village where Usagi's been holed up, where the second of the Kotetsu mobs is has been dispatched by Ryoko, and they're asking around find out that the samurai, the long-eared samurai, has been there 
find out that he is going traveling to the Gaishu province. Uh, upon telling the leader this, of course, Ryoko gets that information, relays it to Kotetsu, who is uh, much upset because Noriyuki is a supporter of the Shogun. If he gets his hands on Grasscutter, my plan is ruined, says Kotetsu. So he decides that he's going to send a message via carrier pigeon to agents that he has in the Gaishu clan. And this agent, I believe, we are shown, but only time will tell uh, as the story progresses. But I'll to, and actually here the next scene, uh, your uh, Lord Noriyuki and Tomoyame are discussing going to Edo, and they're discussing it with Councillor Aramura, who turns out to be the Minister of Protocol, because Noriyuki, with the earthquake, doesn't want to go. He wants to be there for his people. There's stuff that needs to be done, but Tomoe. And Councillor Aramura say, no, you need to go to Idu and make a presence there because that will, in the long term, be more important. Now, I believe that this uh, Councillor Aramura will turn out to be the agent that Kotetsu has in the Gaishu uh, White Heron Castle, the, the ruling castle. All right, next up, we go to the Hot Springs and we see a group of police officers who are chasing are chasing the bandits that killed their police chief and they've tracked them to here well they go in and into the grounds and Genosuke uh, is there claiming to have killed all the bandits and they explain that their police captain uh, their Yoriki which is the word that I failed to dig up when I was talking about the jute uh, that the character held, has been killed, and they are trying to avenge him. They don't have money on him now, of course, so they give Genosuke a receipt who he can go to the town and turn it in and get the reward for the death of all of these bandits. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight that we see in this one. I think I counted 12 or 13 uh, last episode. So Genosuke wanders off. He says, okay, let's see. I've got the money sewn up. What can I do? Hmm. So he's wandering around, and he finds a pool of blood. And he's like, oh, yeah, in Azuna. Well, I wonder if I can track her. So he starts you know, doing what he can. She's staggering here. I should come across her body soon. But what's this? Two new sets of prints, an adult and a child. She was discovered and carried away. Hmm. Maybe I can talk them into splitting the reward with me. And then he hears... Uh, sounds of fighting could be someone else after my reward so he runs and peers into a clearing where he sees the group of kotetsu's men that were at the village chasing after a long-eared presumably samurai killing him and then finding out no it's not the one we're looking for and in their discussions genosuke hears and puts together that they're looking for usagi so one can bet now that he is at the very least, going to be on the lookout for Usagi, if not trying to actively find Usagi. Our final, uh, well, yeah, next to final uh, vignette is back with Kotetsu and Ryoko. Kotetsu has gotten a reply from his passenger pigeon. Everything has been set up to ambush Lord Noriyuki on his way to Ito and kill him, getting the sword back, and then on the final panel, 
We, um, Kotetsu is narrating even members of his most trusted advisors, and the picture is of Usagi walking, carrying the sword, walking towards us with a determined look on his face. And a Tokagi crawling down a nearby tree here, like our squirrels do, which I thought was cool. In the uh, letters column, probably the biggest thing is that back in issue 15, when we saw the Heron Castle, somebody is remarking about a metal ornament or an ornament that's on the um, peak of a, of a roof. And we are told that that's a shakahoko, a clay or metal ornament placed at the end of the roof ridge. And this particular one was in the shape of a fish or dolphin with the head of a tiger. And it's called a makara, which I believe makara um, we have been exposed to before. But a little bit, somebody was asking about that because... Typically, those symbols symbolized uh, Japanese Christians. And he, they, they were asking, well, if Lord Noriyuki is a Christian uh, samurai, when Christianity is uh, forbidden here coming up pretty soon in, in Japan's history, what does Lord Noriyuki do? Does he, um, well, just, you know, what, what does he do about that? And the explanation was, well, actually, that's not what I intended that to mean in the story, is what Mr. Sakai tells us. So, all right, looking at what terms we've had, um, Yom for Hell and Lord Enma for the Lord of Hell. We have a Ri or a Rai, R-I, Ri, uh, 3.9 kilometers. We were shown the word Ronin, uh, Tono, which is Lord. I believe we had that last issue. Yoriki, which is the police captain, and I should have known that, but I, I didn't recall it. Eta, which is the lowest social class. When the police officers are leaving the um, hot springs to clean up all of the dead bodies, one of the officers calls for the Eta, uh, presumably because the touching of dead bodies is is forbidden. It makes one unclean. So you would get the lowest of people to do that job because it is among the most uh, disgusting, let's say, jobs that, that you can do. And my fumado. Uh, Jay makes a reference to my fumado in speaking of the um, nightmare that Inazuma is having, probably at Jay's direction. Uh, my fumado being the dark road to hell. I am familiar with the concept of my fumado from reading, uh, in my opinion, and to me, the greatest manga of all time, Lone Wolf and Cub, and actually in the sequel, um, and I don't have one here, the Lone Wolf and Cub 2, maybe it was it was called, I forget, it, it just finished up recently. Uh, my fumado was a concept there, that um, that was discussed upon occasion because it's central, particularly to the first volume of Lone Wolf and Cub. It's central to the story. All right, guys, that's everything that I have. Um, Usagi Ojimbo, Volume 3, Issue 18, dated February 1998, looks to be next on the docket. I'll talk to you guys next time. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a tier production. And as such, is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, Non-Derivatives, 3.0, Unported License.